Welcome to the First Mentor Podcast. Here, you will hear us talk about a variety of topics for the entire family that will hopefully spark a discussion, create a new curiosity, or simply teach you something new. The goal is to inspire you to learn life skills and soft skills not taught in school and prepare you to live an extraordinary life. Come on and spend some time with us on your commute to school or anytime you're free. Hello, mentees and family of mentees. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the First Mentor Podcast. And this is your host and mentor, Vanessa Yang. And for today, we have invited the amazing Win Claybaugh, enthusiastic father and positive human being extraordinaire, to talk about how being nice ultimately leads to increasing your own happiness. Now, before you get to know Win better, I wanted to remind our teenagers out there that if you're still looking for something to do in summer 2023, head to www.firstmentorstreet.com forward slash events. And remember, First Mentor Street is the number one. And sign up for our life-changing summer programs that will really provide you with the skills that you will use for the rest of your life and will put you way ahead of your peers. You really don't want to miss out on this. And for our loyal listeners out there, we offered a coupon code SUMMER2023, so SUMMER2023, for a 10% discount while supplies last. And also don't forget to subscribe to First Mentor Podcast on your favorite podcast platform, as well as on our YouTube channel, and tell all your friends and family about it. And while you're at it, don't forget to follow First Mentor Street on Instagram and Facebook to really get more tips and stay in the loop of what we're doing. Now, without further delay, let's get started with our fantastic interview with Wynn. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the First Mentor Podcast. And I'm really, really excited to talk to our guest today, Wynn Clayball. And he is so many things, wears so many different hats. He's an author, a podcast host, a motivational speaker, and also the founder and dean of the Paul Mitchell School. So welcome to the podcast, Wynn. Vanessa, thank you so much. First of all, thank you for being so tenacious in, in making this happen. Truly appreciate it. I'm honored. No, I'm honored to have you because I know when I heard you speak at a youth conference last summer, the people that I went with, which is my daughter, her friend, and the mom, we couldn't stop gushing over your energy and how you were able to rally the crowd and your positivity. So I was like, I'm going to get him on this podcast. And people always tell me success lies in follow-ups. So I needed to make sure I follow up with you. Well, then you're ultra successful because your follow-up is impeccable. (laughs) Thank you so much. Anyways, I chose an interesting topic today for our interview, and it's really about the thought and the mindset of being nice, which you wrote a book about. And I know we're going to talk about this a little bit more. I always want to give our listeners a little bit about our guest's background. So if you could tell us a little bit more about yourself. Absolutely. So I, I'm I'm probably the the old guy in your podcast series. I'm I'm 63 years old, but as you already mentioned, I'm the dean and co-founder of Palmetto Schools. I've been in the in the cosmetology school of business and in the, in the hair industry. I'm in the hair industry for almost 40 years now. 
I've also been a, a speaker. I wrote this book called Be Nice or Else. And I, I love that we get a chance to, to talk about that topic today because obviously it's something that's near and dear to my heart. I'm also a philanthropist, meaning I have lots of charitable causes that I'm passionate about. But I'm also passionate about the causes that my, my team are passionate about. What I mean by that is sometimes there's a cause that maybe I wouldn't think of. But because they're passionate about it and because they want to make a difference and raise money for that cause, it may not be something that I was drawn to. But of course, because I love them and I support them, I, I'm going to jump onto that cause as well. And, and I love that because it's an exchange. So there are things I'm really passionate about, children and, and health and safety for children, the fight against sex trafficking. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. passionate about animal health and rescue. And so I'm so, so grateful that my team and my friends rally around me when I come around and say, hey, you guys, I'm, I'm raising money for Best Friends Animal Sanctuary. Can you help me out? And, and they're like, of course we will. Why? Because I do the same for them. And then the last thing about me is that I'm a dad. So I have a I have an 11 year old daughter. I should have started with that because at the end of the day, that's my, my number one title. Aww. I like to tell people that had I not become a dad, and obviously I became a dad late in life, so I tell people that I had I not become a dad, I would probably just be mean, rich, jerk. <laughs> so I'm glad that I have a daughter. <laughs> no. I'm sure she keeps you grounded because what I've learned about my kids, it's not me who's my worst critic. They are. Oh my gosh. You know, before she was born, we said, okay, we have a daughter. That's very different than having a little boy, I think. Uh, we have a daughter and our our goal, our our intention was and still is that she's going to have a voice, that she's mm -hmm. going to have an opinion, mm -hmm. that her voice matters. Right. And then sometimes we're like, gosh, maybe her voice matters a little too much right now. Maybe <laughs> maybe she has too much of an opinion today. So, <laughs> yes, I think you have a sassy one at home, just like mine. When oh, she's gosh. Yeah. She's sassy, but you know what? She's strong and she has incredible empathy. She has a wonderful giving heart. I know that your daughter has the same and, and so we can be proud of that. Yes, absolutely. And let's talk a little bit more about that, right? Because it seems like we both care about raising our children with the concept of being nice. And I wanted to ask you, what does being nice mean to you? And talking about what does it mean to be nice or what does niceness mean? mean i think we also have to talk about what it doesn't mean because there's so many myths about being nice people think gosh if i'm nice people will walk all over me that mm -hmm. in order to get ahead in life i have to be aggressive in a negative way uh, to get the job done because if i'm nice nobody will respect me and being nice means that i can't have an opinion uh, that i become a doormat that i have to talk in a really soft quiet voice and it doesn't mean any of those things. What's nice about letting people walk all over you? There's nothing nice about that. And so we have to dispel those myths about what it means and what it doesn't mean to be nice. And so, yes, you can fire somebody and still be nice about it. You can break up with somebody and still be nice about it. Hmm. I actually like the way you brought it up, what it means and what it doesn't have to mean. I know when I was growing up too, or as I was trying to find my voice and speak up and fight for what's important to me, I always thought, okay, if I'm nice, just like you said, I'm going to be a doormat, let people walk all over me. But it doesn't have to be just, I lose, they win, they win, I lose. It could be creating win-win situations. 
Oh, yeah. By the way, that takes a lot of work. But (laughs) you know what? Everything in life, anything that's of value takes a lot of work. Again, I'm 63 years old for me to get to the gym every single day and maintain health and wellness and 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 all of those things. My gosh, it's a lot of work being successful financially in business, building Mm -hmm. an incredible company with thousands of people in my organization. It takes a lot of work. I would venture to say that the relationships for the audience, for your audience, people who are listening right now, the relationships that mean the most to you, meaning those relationships that have value, that have purpose, that have depth, are, are relationships that they're, they're not easy. And, and sometimes it, it, it means that we have to argue with each other, that we have to compromise, that we have to go through whatever it is that we have to go through. But because we're loyal to each other, because we all have the intention of of making this work, no matter how difficult it is, those are the relationships that sustain us for a very long time. So everything in life that has value can take a lot of work. Yes, I completely agree with you. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit about kind of like the culture that I've seen or observed a lot of young people, whether it's in the media, there's a lot of me, 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 really the focus on myself and not a lot of focus on other people, what their thoughts process are, what day they've gone through. So I wanted to ask you, why do you think it's so important to be nice and show compassion towards others? Well, first of all, uh, that, that me, me, me mentality, I'm sure it has existed all through time. But I believe that because of social media, that has been amplified thousands of times. Mm-hmm. It's all about that selfie. I remember we were uh, in Tulum, Mexico, and with my little family, we were laying there on, on the beach, and there was what I assumed to be an influencer who was trying to get the perfect photo on the beach. And when I tell you, Vanessa, that it was a good hour of her setting up the camera and the right angle and fixing her bathing suit and the right mm-hmm the right backdrop with the beach and then the sun and fixing her hair again over and over and over again to try to get the perfect shot. And I'm thinking that she posted that and people are thinking, wow, she has the perfect life. Her life is absolutely perfect. And that's oftentimes what we post. Yes. And and, and we spend, we put so much time and energy into that. And then the flip side to that, or to the other side of that is that we then compare ourselves to those people. Mm -hmm. We compare ourselves and think that we are less than because our lives, physically, our lives, financially, our lives with our friends and our family and our home life and all of that, we just can't measure up to that. And so I think that there's just so much of a focus now on the me, me, me. It's It's that selfie mentality. And I think that to break away from that is to realize that, first of all, it's a lie. It's a myth that that really is important, that that really is of substance and of value. Yes. We all believe in the law of the universe. What goes around comes around. Mm -hmm. And so when you you ask the question about this me, me, me mentality and why would we want to abandon that and think otherwise and choose to adopt a life that's, that's different than that, it's because we want happiness for ourselves. Right. We we want something that has more substance in our lives, something that is sustaining. We want that for ourselves and how we feel about ourselves, our own self-esteem, our own happiness. And that takes a lot of work. And I hope that we get to talk about that today, because 
for me, happiness does not come naturally. I'm very vocal about that. I'm very transparent about that. And so I'm working on my own happiness every single day. The law of the universe tells us what goes around comes around. What we put out there, if we're focused on our own happiness and we want that to be a priority in our lives, and 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 it should be because that's a gift that we give to other people. Our happiness yes. is a gift that we give to others. Well, to bring about that personal happiness, we have to give it away. We have to extend that to other people. Oh, I love that. I love how you said you actually work on it. It's not something just being happy just comes. If it comes, it comes. If it doesn't, it doesn't. You really actively work on it as well as giving it out to others, which Again, it takes a little bit more of consciously choosing to do so because sometimes we all have bad days, right? And we sometimes take it out on others. I've seen this for us to choose happiness because many times one conversation I always have with my children is when they have a bad day, I was like, what can you control? Is whatever happened, can you change anything about this? And they're like, no. So I always ask, what can you control? And it's really your reaction towards what happened. You can choose to see things as very unfortunate, I'm unlucky and all those things. But on the flip side, you can also see, well, what am I learning from this? Why is this happening? Maybe it's for a purpose and for reason. And, you know, reflect upon it. Sometimes when we go back and we say in hindsight, this happened and really see, okay, this happened for a reason for me to get to another place. And I can choose to see things from the brighter side. Thank you. That And that was a, a mouthful. <laughs> you brought up a lot <laughs> As you're as you're talking, you know I'm I'm writing down notes myself because you you brought up some pretty incredible things. First of all, yeah, it is a choice. Now I wouldn't say that to somebody who who struggles with happiness because that's a difficult thing. Mm-hmm. When when somebody is struggling with some type of a mental health struggle, yeah, you would never say to somebody with cancer, well, you know, if you just had a better attitude about this, you could overcome cancer. And yet we do say that to people who struggle with depression or with bipolar or with or other types of mental health struggles. Gosh, if you just, you know, chose differently, if you just had a better attitude, uh, you could overcome this. And and so that's that's a whole nother topic. But you're right, life is a choice. And I choose to be happy. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's easy for me. And again, I work at this every single day. Mm -hmm. I used to be the type of person that some people are meant to be happy, but not me. Mm-hmm. I, I used to truly believe that. You know, some people are born with blue eyes. I was born with brown eyes. Some people were born naturally to be happy, but I'm not lucky enough to be one of those people. And there's nothing I can do about it. I truly believe that until I was well into my 20s. But fortunately, I got connected to an incredible circle of friends and they started introducing me to these wonderful mentors. And what those mentors, what those friends taught me to do way back then was huge for me then, but it's still huge for me today. Meaning just because I started receiving the resources and the information 30, 40 years ago doesn't mean that I ever graduated from that. You're never going to graduate from this curriculum. It's not like you wake up one day and say, you know what? I have plenty of happiness. No more. Thank you very much. (laughs) This is a curriculum. This is a path that all of us are on for the rest of our lives. All of us could use a little bit more happiness. Yes, we sure do. What I wanted to do in my podcast is always, yes, we can talk about the big concepts of certain things, but I love giving our youth and our young listeners some concrete advice 
on what they could do suggestions. And maybe let's go through some scenarios and examples, right? So we talked about family earlier. I always feel like because we're most comfortable with our own families, we tend to be not as nice to them because we're so comfortable. Like the true, everything comes out and, and that includes me. And what suggestions do you have for young listeners when it comes to their siblings, their parents? What can they do to be a bit nicer to them? Well, first of all, to to not be nice is a bad habit. And I believe that all bad habits are meant to be broken. And so just realize that it takes practice, practice, practice. So if you wanted to be a wonderful pianist, you would have to hire a teacher. You would have to find great mentors. You would have to do what they tell you to do. You would have to follow the path that they took, what they went through in order to be good at what they do. Same thing applies to being nice. So if we want to be nice, if we want to be happy, which it's all tied together, who are you following? Are are you putting people on that pedestal, whether they be celebrities or football athletes or, or even popular kids in your school? Are you putting them on the pedestal? Uh, and you're valuing them as as people when in reality, maybe they're not nice to other people. And I'm not saying that that all celebrities and all athletes, celebrity athletes are that way. That's not at all what I'm saying. But be careful what you value. Mm. Make sure that you're considering everything about them before you start following them. And so there are incredible mentors. I don't want to date myself, but what about <laughs> mentors like Nelson Mandela? What about mentors like Mother Teresa? And, and that list goes on and on. Be careful what you value. And if you want to learn the skill set of anything, including being nice, including being a good human being, find the mentors, find the teachers who are going to provide for you the lessons and the skill set to get there. I never thought about it, that niceness is a skill set to be learned. But I really agree with you as I listen to what you said. It's something we could practice. The other thing that really struck a chord with is who you follow. Because as I'm looking through the youth's Instagram account and who they follow and who they admire, so to speak, it's really important the influence that they're getting. And this falls within friends too. Like you said earlier, I remember when I was younger, I wanted everybody to like me. That was my thing. And as I got older, I was like, no, I've learned not everybody will. And I should stop caring about what others think. And now I'm like, you know what? Only certain people deserve my time in life because the negative one just drain my energy and they don't make me feel comfortable and not that's not where I want to be, but I did it out of politeness or whatever the reason was. And that's what I wanted to share with our listeners too. really choose carefully, just like Wynn said, not just in your like immediate circle of friends at school, the clubs you belong to, but also influencers outside, people you think you know in theory, but you might not know the true selves or the entire picture of them. You know, I don't know if this is a a good analogy, but I'll give the analogy of uh, a TV show such as The Real Housewives. When you think about it here, the whole premise is these are beautiful, oftentimes very wealthy, influential, powerful women. You dress them up, the best clothes, the best makeup, the best shoes, the best jewelry, dressed up to to, to look absolutely incredible. But then they open up their mouths and nasty, vile, horrible comments and statements come out of them, which to me just makes them automatically so unattractive. 
And I'm sure maybe I'll get blasted for saying that. So if you guys want to DM me and tell me something terrible about me because I said that about the Real Housewives, but that's how I view that. And again, we do the same thing. We value people. Oh my gosh, she's she's beautiful, or he's talented, or he's he's this or he's that. But but just again, be very very clear about who you're following. With anything that we want to learn in life, I believe that it has to be fun. I'm the type of person that if I'm not having fun and learning something, hmm. I'm not going to learn it. And so for me, everything has to be fun. So what I did, because you asked about some real life examples of what we can do. We're not just talking here in theory, Vanessa. That's We're right. talking about, okay, this is a good theory. This is a good thought. But what do we do? What's the action? Mm-hmm. And I believe that love, happiness is a verb. It requires action. If you're in a loving relationship with somebody, whether that's a relationship with mom and dad or a friend or a a lover, a spouse or a boyfriend, a girlfriend, if you're in a loving relationship with somebody, is it enough to just tell them that you love them? No. What does it require? Action. Yes. We have to show people through our action that we love them, that we value them. And so so I came up with uh, uh, two steps that we need to follow in order to make things fun so that no matter what it is that we're trying to learn, we make it fun. The first step is that you need a mentor. Choose wisely who your mentors are. Because sometimes you ask for relationship advice from that person who's been divorced three times and now she hates men. (laughs) That's not your mentor. See, a mentor is somebody who has the success that you want to have in life. And so you want to learn how did they do it, okay? That's the first step to make things fun, find a mentor. Mm -hmm. And then the second step is find people who want to play with you. Oh, yes. And by the way, not everybody wants to play with you. I, I like what you said, Vanessa, that you you just wanted everybody to like you. And 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 as you've grown through life and gotten older, you've realized that that's not so important, but that's still a tough lesson, right? You know, I can I can do a seminar for for an audience of a thousand people, 999 of them tell me that it was incredible and give me a standing ovation. And one person stops me in the hallway and said, that sucked. And I lose sleep over that one person, right? Yeah. It's just human nature that of we course. we feel that way. So I get it. When I say find people who want to play with you, tell me if you agree with this, Vanessa, your circle does not have to be that big. My circle gets smaller and smaller. If you have three or four good friends, and we could talk about what a good friend looks like and feels like, three or four or maybe five people in your life who truly know you and love you and support you no matter what's going on. I love Oprah Winfrey's analogy. When you're riding in a limousine, everybody wants to ride in the limousine with you. Mm -hmm. A good friend is somebody who rides the bus with you when the limousine breaks down. Yes. So when you have nothing to offer to people, you don't have money, you don't have influence or you don't you don't have celebrity. And yet you still have these wonderful, loving, true, devoted friends that still stand by your side when you are down and out. That's a friend. That's a good friend. And you don't need a large circle of those. I actually completely agree with you. When I was younger, I used to think more is better. But through experience, it's really a few deeper relationships matter so much because 
when you're in a tough situation, you got to know one person, two people to call and you don't want to go down the list and thinking, oh, I have nobody to share this sad experience with or I have nobody to talk to. And the other thought that you said is somebody who's there for you, whether thick or thin, that's actually a really, really good point. Sometimes we have discussions because everybody's so busy, right? Everybody has so much on their plate. And there's certain friends, you probably have those too, that you haven't talked to for years. But when you see them again, it feels like no time has passed. It just, you just click and, you know, it's been five years, but it feels like you just saw them last week. But then there's the other friends who you've known for a long time. And maybe you go to school with them and you work with them and you see them. And sometimes I ask my kids too, oh, this classmate of yours where do they live or do they have siblings they're like I don't know I'm like but you've known them for five eight years you don't know anything about them that's what I always say for for them to to ask more questions and be curious and the other thing I wanted to share is sometimes it's good to be vulnerable and share some vulnerability because I've learned in my lifetime when I shared something where I felt initially oh I don't want people to know that about me. But the second I start sharing certain things that made me vulnerable, the relationship became deeper because all of a sudden we connected over something that we had in common. And those were the amazing friends that I've built over the years. As you're saying that, again, I'm writing something down. Uh, what And what I wrote down are conversations that truly matter mm. because we have so many conversations that really don't matter. People yes. know everything about the Kardashians, but they know nothing about the latest research in breast cancer. Where are the conversations that truly matter? Mm -hmm. And so when we are vulnerable, I think that was the word that you use when we are transparent and we have those kinds of conversations with people and they love you and they hear you and they feel you, there's an exchange there. Wow. Those are great friendships. Those are great incredible relationships that we need to build, that we need to, to invest in. You brought it up earlier about relationships with family members. Sometimes it's, it's the people that we love and care about the most that we oftentimes don't make that investment. And again, if this is what you value, back it up with your behavior. We say that we value family life, but then we don't invest. Our behavior doesn't match what we say we value. So we, yeah. we say that we value health and wellness, but we never work out. We have a horrible diet. We never get enough sleep. And if your behavior does not match what you say is important to you, if your behavior does not match your values, it destroys your self-esteem. So yeah. we're talking about happiness and how we feel about ourselves. Make sure that you're backing up what you say is important to you with your actions. And if family is important to you, well, then we we invest time. We invest quality time. We invest quantity time. I had this mentor who gave me a really, really good piece of advice because I asked him this question. If you had just one piece of advice to help us become more successful in life, what would that one piece of advice be? And he said, just imagine that every person you come into contact with is wearing a little label that says, make me feel important. Mm. Now, can you imagine if we applied that at home? Yes. If, if at home you applied that to your mom and dad, that you applied that to your, to your siblings, you applied that to your own kids or to your roommates or to your friends, just imagine that they are wearing a label that says, make me feel important. Oh my gosh, 
that one little piece of advice, how could that absolutely transform your relationships with people? Oh, I absolutely love that. It's really true because people always say they don't remember certain things about you or what you said, but they remember how you made them feel. You probably heard that before. And that's what I was thinking of when you just said that. And it's so true, the little actions that you show. And this kind of reminds me a little bit about a discussion I have with my children about giving gifts. Because sometimes when there's birthday parties or certain events, it's always like, what should we buy them? But nowadays, and I shared this with them as a parent, I said, you don't have to buy me anything because obviously you don't make that much money yet at your young age. But I would rather have a gift from you that comes from your heart. That makes me so much happier because I know you put some thought into it. And one of my favorite gifts from my children is a jar of a hundred little post-its or little um, notes. And the jar outside says a hundred reasons of why I love you. And wow. there was like little notes of, I love you because of this. And that that was, I think, one of the, my birthday gifts a few years ago. And I absolutely love it. Just reading little things because they never told me about how they feel on certain things. I know they appreciate me, but it's normally a complaint about mom. Do you have to make me do this? Mom, you're annoying mom, this or that. But deep down inside, they do appreciate it. They do love me, but they never said it. And that jar of little notes just really brightened my wow. day. Wow. I, I got to remember to pass that one on to my daughter. Here's what daddy wants. Right. Perfect. Those are great little things. And this is something our audience can do with your friends, right? If you have a friend that's coming up with a birthday, instead of just ask them, what do you want? Oh, here's a gift card. Yes, everybody can do that. But put something thoughtful into them. I always feel like with birthday cards, instead of just saying happy birthday, wishing you all the best, as general things. The favorite birthday notes is always when people write to you what a special friend you are or what, you know, what they remember about you, about the friendship and what have you. So just put a little thought into it and you will make the other person very, very happy. I love what you're saying because um, I have hundreds of people in my company that I call on their birthdays. And so sometimes I'm calling Four or five people a day. Sometimes it's, you know, three or four a week. It's a routine that I have. And I've been doing this for, you know, 20 years for as long oh. as I've, I've I've had my my company. And I love doing it because I have people. Now, most of them, they're all grown adults. And that's who I'm calling to wish them a happy birthday. And some of them tell me, oh, my gosh, my spouse didn't even remember that it was my birthday. But oh, when, no. how do you remember? First of all, I don't remember. It's, it's all written down. There's a program and my assistant reminds me, hey, today is so-and-so's birthday. And I get on the phone with them. But, you know, I used to just call and it was a really short message. You know, hey, happy birthday to you. Oh, just thinking about you. Bye. And I would hang up. And and I don't do that anymore. Like I before I call, I really think about that person. And I'm hoping that they don't answer. And the reason why is I want to leave a message for them because they tell me I listen to that over and over mm. and over. I've had people say, when I have saved your recordings for the last four or five years, they're still on my phone and I still oh. go back and listen to them. So I'm actually hoping that they don't answer, but I take the time. I tell them why I'm grateful for them. I give specifics. I'll share a story of Hey, remember four years ago when, when we were hanging out together and we went to dinner, we had this conversation. I want you to know that you said something to me that night that really had an impact on me. Mm-hmm. And I want you to know that because of that, I love you and I appreciate you. So I, I'm very detailed as to why I'm celebrating that person. 
And I know that it's made a huge difference. I had somebody who recently uh, retired after 40 years working for this company. And of course, so I left him one of my messages. And he said that out of all the messages that he got, mine is the only one he saved because I was detailed and I was profound and I was heartfelt about that. You're right. It does make a huge, big difference. Yes. And just calling someone on their birthday alone. I try to do this. I have to admit I've gotten sloppier over the years, but one of my goals is always to call my friends on their birthday instead of sending them a Facebook message or a text message. And one year, my friend said, Vanessa, you're one of two people only who called me today on my birthday. And I always remember that I actually look forward to you calling me every year because I always just get text messages. So simple things we can do in life. It also made me think about a conversation I had with a high school senior as he was sharing with me what he wrote in his uh, college essays. And one of the college essay was saying, you know, write a letter to somebody that you want to thank that you normally haven't considered. And he wrote the letter to the school janitor and actually printed it out and gave it to the school janitor because they've seen each other over the last four years and there were smiles and just nodding and thank you. But for him to write a letter really touched that person to make and it really made her day, right? So these are just suggestions that our listeners can do. You can come up with your own creative ways, but really put some plots into it. And this is how you be nice to others. And one thing I always learn is what you give out, you get back tenfold. Again, going back to the culture of really thinking about myself, if you really want to do well in life, give more because you get so much more out of it. You think you might lose something, but in the long term, you win tenfold. And maybe parents and children listening to this can relate to this. So you're sitting at the dinner table, and hopefully you are sitting together at the dinner table. And uh, the question comes up, you know, so how was your day? Fine. How was your day? Fine. Meaning there's no conversation. Mm -hmm. And, And I was taught a long time ago to ask the question of, tell me the best thing that happened to you today. Yes. What was the best thing that happened to you today? Because it engages and it starts a conversation. And I just think, again, for us to really take the time to express not just, hey, I love you. I appreciate you. I'm proud of you. But go into detail. Dad, mom, you're, you're proud of me. But why are you proud of me? Like, like, what do I do? Because oftentimes we think that there's there's nothing to be proud about. And so for us to hear specifics and, and, and heartfelt, especially from the people that know us the best and love us the most, for us to hear that I think is, is really profound. There is a practice that we have within my company of in our locations, we have what we call a Katya board, meaning I'm going to catch you doing something right. Now, what usually happens in a company is I'm going to catch you when you do something wrong. Mm. Aha, you're late. I caught you. And so we we created Katya boards and people write things that they witnessed somebody doing right. I caught you doing something right. And they're specific about it. And they write it on a little card and they pin it up there for everybody to read. Well, then I had somebody said, hey, when we have a Katya board at home with oh. our family. Yeah. And I think this is an excellent idea of things that we could implement. I mean, if somebody who is maybe having a say at a school or certain clubs, you know, coaches, teachers, principals, if they happen to listen. Those were excellent example of what you could implement a certain part of your culture in school, really to call out, but call you out on something that you've done great. 
And it makes everybody's day, right? Because there's so we mentioned earlier, there's so much negativity in life, really bringing out the light, shining it on somebody who done something great and not 90% of the time you've done great. Nobody notices it except that one time when you really miss out on something. So completely agree with you there. Are there any other things that you've implemented at uh, your company that kind of supports the being nice culture? Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I love that you're using that word culture because culture happens when two people come together. So when two people come together, there is a culture. And those two people could be the boss and an employee. It could be two family members come together. It could be two friends at school. It could be a teacher and a student. We have to decide what that culture looks like and feels like, or it will be decided for us. And oftentimes the culture that can be decided by default is a culture that is filled with negativity. Mm -hmm. It could be a culture of gossip. It could be a culture of putting people down. It could be a culture of, of let's talk about what's bad and what went wrong today. And and it could be the opposite of all the wonderful things that you and I are talking about today. So, So first and foremost, understand that you have a culture and you have to figure out what that culture looks like and feels like. Make that decision. In your family life, what do you want that to feel like? You want it to be a culture where you love each other and you express love often. And in my family, we were we grew up where we always expressed and said, I love you. And, and yet I see families that, oh my gosh, my parents have never said that to me. And I've never said it to my dad. I've never told my parents that I love them. We just don't do that in my family. Is that the culture that you want? Or maybe you can break that cycle and you could be the one that starts a new culture within your family or a new culture at work. We realize that there are three basic human needs and everybody needs to focus on providing and receiving these three basic human needs. First basic human need is people need to feel safe. Yes. So at work, at school, at home, and I stress that, Because there are people who don't even feel safe at home. People need to feel safe. Second basic human need, people need to feel that they belong. Did you know that 60% of people say, no one has my back? And by the way, half of those people are married. And the third basic human need, people need to feel that they have a purpose. Yes. And I could give the example of two janitors working for an elementary school. Those two janitors have the same job, they have the same title, they have the same hours, they have the same salary. One janitor has the attitude of, these little brats around here make a mess, and it's my job to clean it up, that's what they pay me to do, that's my job. And the other janitor has the attitude of, it's my responsibility to create a clean learning environment for the next generation that's going to save this planet. One has a job, the other one has a purpose. Three basic human needs. I love that. I've heard about basic human needs before from Tony Robbins trainings that I've attended, but I love that you focus on those three and the purpose really makes a culture. But I wanted to go back to what you said earlier about telling your family, I love you. Because once you said, I was like, yep, that's my culture. That's how we grew up. It's funny. I was born and raised into a Chinese family, but I was actually, I grew up in Germany. So there was really different cultures. And my parents never said, I love you. I'm proud of you. Not because 
they didn't feel that way. It's just, I guess our culture, we just don't say that. As a kid, I was like, wow, my parents really don't like me because my mom always say, oh, you know, look at so-and-so's kid and this person is better than you. Why can't you be more like her? And I told myself back then, I was like, okay, when I have my own family, I'm not going to do that. So now I really make (laughs) sure that I tell my children I love them. I'm proud of them. But to add to what you said earlier, why I'm proud of them, not just to say the words, but add a little bit more meaning and depth to it. To go back to what you said about the culture and addressing the three basic human needs, I wanted to get an idea as far as something specific again, like how does that show itself among people who work with you? Study after study proves that when a team of people, so let's just talk about the work environment. When a team of people are laughing and having fun with each other, creativity goes up, teamwork goes up, profits go up, absenteeism diminishes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes in some companies, if you're laughing or having fun at work, what does that mean? You're not working, back (laughs) to work, no fun around here. Can you imagine? And see, I believe that people aren't engaged at work. And why aren't they engaged? They're not engaged because they're not having fun. They don't feel safe. They don't feel like they belong. They don't feel like they have a purpose, like they're making a difference. I just show up. I clock in. I clock out. They pay me. You've engaged my time only. And oftentimes when people aren't engaged, what do we want to do? We just want to fire them. Mm -hmm. You can't fire your way into building a better team of people. And so our job, our role, our intention, our mission, our culture is about engaging people. We want to engage every part of them, their heart, their creativity. And how do you do that? By making it fun, by making it engaging, by by focusing on the strengths of each other, by being very clear when, when, when we make a mistake. What do they say? Praise in public reprimand and redirect in private. Mm-hmm. So if somebody makes a mistake, we're not reprimanding them in front of everybody, right? Because now I don't feel safe. You just made me look like an idiot in front of everybody. I don't feel safe here anymore. I don't feel like I belong here anymore. You're not going to get the best of me. I'll show up to work on time, but that's all you're going to get from me. So when somebody is doing something right, oh my gosh, let's stand on a soapbox and let's Let's scream it from the rooftops. Oh my gosh, this person is incredible. Look what they did. Look what they accomplished. Look what they contributed. And we celebrate that. So there's all kinds of cultural practices. And I like what you said, Vanessa. My gosh, if we applied these same practices to our home lives and to our our circle of friends and to our school environment, we could get those same types of results as well. Yes, absolutely agree with you. And these are really fantastic suggestions. And I love how you shared the culture of your company with our listeners. If somebody wants to learn more about you or follow you and continue to listen to your great advice, I know you have so many channels to share with them, but can you let them know how they can follow you on social media since we just talked about that or your website or information, how they can continue to learn? Absolutely. All of it's under my name. So winclaybaugh.com is my website. That's my social media, whether it's uh, Instagram or or Twitter or Facebook, just winclaybaugh, W-I-N-N-C-L-A-Y-B-A-U-G-H. Notice I, I got the Paul Mitchell school there in the backdrop with me on my green screen. I just thought that that would be a fun backdrop because I 
I love my relationship with Paul Mitchell. On my website, uh, winclayba.com, I have a podcast series, which I've been doing now for 22 years. Long before there was even the term podcast, I was recording interviews like what you and I are having right now. I was recording interviews with incredible, wonderful people 22 years ago, and I was putting those interviews onto a cassette tape that I (laughs) I mailed out. Some of your listeners don't even, what's a cassette tape? I was mailing that out to subscribers that I had in 10 different countries. And so, so now obviously I don't need a subscriber and, uh, and those are all available on my website. So there's a section on my website uh, that says podcasts. And so if people were to go on there, you're going to see a whole bunch of different podcasts. And I try to cover a variety of topics to include the fight against uh, slavery and, and sex trafficking to addiction and recovery, to suicide prevention, to giving back to all kinds of different causes. I've interviewed people like Gary Sinise for his foundation and Marie Osmond for Children's Miracle Network Hospitals and the founder of Best Friends Animal Society and uh, the president of Southwest Airlines. And I even interviewed a, a Catholic nun who decided to become a hairdresser so that she could do hair for the homeless. So get this, She enrolls in beauty school after she gets permission from the Catholic Church, graduates from beauty school, and opens up her salon, which she named the Pearly Gates Salon. It was located in a tiny bathroom of a shower facility for the homeless in downtown Cincinnati. And so I, I interview people who maybe they're not famous like that, but you know what? They have stories to tell. And I believe that the best teachers, the best heroes... The best mentors are storytellers, and I love capturing people's stories. Yes, absolutely agree with you. That is fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I really enjoyed our conversation, Win. Truly a pleasure. You're you're so good at what you do. I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been like emotional uh, here throughout the entire interview. So, Vanessa is. Uh, I'm I'm just honored that you would think to include me in your wonderful podcast series. Oh, thank you so much. My pleasure. Hope you enjoyed our interview with Wynn Claybaugh. Now, make sure you check out his website and follow him on social media to learn more golden nuggets from his vast wisdom. And thank you so much for spending time with us today. And we'll talk to you in the next episode. Until then, have an amazing month.